This is the Galway Podcast. Hello, who are you and what do you do? Hello, my name is Sinead McKiernan. I'm a yoga teacher and workplace wellbeing specialist based in Galway, Connemara region. Um, I teach yoga and Pilates, meditation, breathwork and mindset classes online and in and around Goa City and Connemara. I also teach retreats. Um, they could be in Galway or Ireland or Europe. And I work with companies in workplace well-being, creating strategies and interventions to improve the well-being of that organisation. So you run um, a yoga class? I always struggle with terminologies here. I know I do too. Yeah. Um, so I teach yoga and yeah. Pilates classes. I also teach breath and mindset and meditation. Um, I teach my students and then I t- train teachers. Um, and I also work within workplace well-being with companies, corporate organizations um, more to do with their strategies of well-being and interventions of well-being rather than just the yoga class. So, yeah, all of that stuff. Mm, yeah. So yoga is very popular in Galway. And whenever I'm whenever I invited you on, I was thinking it, it, it feels almost like a disservice because I had to choose one. And I've been reaching out. I think I've written to a couple of yoga people and for whatever reason, it never happened. But yeah, it's good that you're here because I want the listener to think of you as an umbrella or just a, a uh, an icon for many yoga classes because, you know, if everybody who wants to do yoga joins you, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to blink uh, because you'll be so busy. Why do you think yoga is so popular in Galway? I think it is popular across the board, everywhere. Um, it's travelled, obviously, from India over to America and then filtered through Europe and then, you know, into whatever happens in the UK, then moves into Dublin and then across to us in Galway, last but not least. Um, there's a lot of creative musicians, artists, healers, in Galway, usually the west coasts of countries attract those type of people. Um, That's interesting. I never heard that before. Straight away, I'm thinking San Francisco. Is Sydney in the west coast? No, Perth is. Sorry, yeah. Sydney's in the east coast. Okay, so carry on. Often in countries, it will be east coast is more corporate, commercial, okay, industrial, yeah. and then west coast is, you know, sometimes by the sea and creative and Sunsets. music and. and yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so I guess maybe it's more, I don't know if it's the people that are attracted to the area or is it the area <laughs> with the people. But because um, I know a lot of people that are teaching yoga in Galway are not from Galway. It's a mixed, mixed bag. But I guess creative individuals or musicians or artists or whatever way you want to label them have maybe more open mindset and are attracted to a kind of more holistic lifestyle. That may be one reason that it's quite popular. Um, the other thing that's happened is yoga teacher training courses have just, they're everywhere. Um, so when I trained, um, I went to India to do my first yoga training and it wasn't so widespread then. When was that? That was 2014, so okay. about 10 years ago, 19. Um, so it wasn't as popular then. There was a couple of studios in Galway and they're still there and they were, you know, the the OGs. <laughs> um, but there wasn't as many teachers as there is now. Um, yoga teacher trainings were very limited in Ireland and I was just drawn to do the what I felt was a really authentic training in India with Indian teachers and it was just what what drew me there obviously. So Mysore in India that's not where you went? That's where I went. Is it? Yeah. Wow, why did I choose that? Because my buddy, Dave Kane, double bass player, based in 
somewhere in West Yorkshire. He's brilliant at yoga. I say that because every time I look at his poses, I think that's been photoshopped. Surely that's been photoshopped. And I'm looking at yours thinking the same. So what attracted you to, am I saying that correctly, Mysore? Yeah. I mean, whenever he first went there, I thought, well, you know, you obviously don't know much about yoga. You just pick something that sounds the hardest. You know? <laughs> but why did you choose Mysore? Yeah, so it's Mysore in English or Mysuru, they would spell and pronounce it. I prefer it. that. You know, Mysuru. It sounds yeah. like I know what I'm talking about now. Okay. <laughs> you do, yeah. Um, I, at the time, I looked up some schools in India. Um, Goa was one area that was very popular and a little bit too, what seemed too westernized for me. It was a bit beachy, nearly party atmosphere. Um, Mysore was the home of, or is the home of Ashtanga Yoga. Um, I trained in Hatha Yoga. So I went to a Hatha Yoga school in Mysore. And I suppose it just seemed again more traditional and authentic to me. And I looked up the school and I just liked like the look of it. So I just chanced it. Mm-hmm. So if you were to rewind back time, knowing all the information that you know today, did you choose wisely? Yes, I think it was the perfect school for me at the time. The teachers were wonderful. The group that I met there was wonderful. It was exactly what I needed at the time. Um, it was a big move for me coming from anxiety and panic disorder that's what brought me into starting yoga was feeling completely out of sorts and disconnected with myself two years of having anxiety attacks that um too much weed or what was that (laughs) living in Galway (laughs) (laughs) all these artists oh my god I'm, I'm not keeping up with the anxiety. I got to reach them. Sorry. I was actually traveling at the time and it was definitely wear and tear off the body. Thailand, New Zealand, just traveling around, sleeping in hostels. Backpacking. Yeah, backpacking and working and partying. Mm. Um, so I think it was an accumulation of things. Bad sleep, bad diet, bad habits, um, not having a purpose, not um, I think I was kind of at the time wearing a mask, being like pre-COVID, obviously. Yeah. So why were you wearing a mask? Um, like a metaphorical mask. Okay. I think I wasn't. Um, I wasn't being true to who I was. Okay. Um, I think looking back now, I probably had the personality type that was a people pleaser and never wanted to express true emotions in case it unsettled any situation. So I think I held a lot in and always just had the the happy front. Mm. Um, so looking back now, I think it was an accumulation of all of those things led me to first anxiety attack, which made a lovely pathway in my brain to make another one and another one. Oh, wow. uh, anxiety attacks for two years which then led to what's called panic disorder. So it's like you're stuck in that rush of anxiety and you can't step out of it. And that led to another beautiful thing called agoraphobia, where I was afraid to go out into the world, stopped working, even having a conversation. Like I went, I was shaking, you know, I had a rash come up on my neck. I was just in constant fear all the time. Where was that whenever it was coming to a a real pinnacle? So it started when I was in Wellington in New Zealand, um, tried to maintain it for a while, tried to manage it and then decided to come home. And then I was living in Galway near Taylor's Hill um, and there was a lot of time on my own just struggling through it. When I went to the doctors, the doctor at the time that I went to offered me antidepressants, said I was depressed. And I just knew that I wasn't depressed, that there was something else happening that I needed to get to the bottom of. And if I didn't get to the bottom of it, it was just going to linger underneath the medication until it started to erupt again. So I took the long, hard route of figuring out what it was and looking at all avenues of my lifestyle and seeing what I could 
alter and create some more balance in. And that's what led me to my first yoga classes and um, a few years of practicing yoga and feeling much better. Then the next thing I was on a plane to India, to Mysuru, and um, all the fear and anxiety was gone. Wow. Yeah. That's phenomenal. It's a great story. I, I don't do yoga. And it's something, I mean, I'm, I'm only a youth now, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't know what age I am anymore because I'm not youthful. But um, I'm not eternal. Yeah. But I'm now faced with that inevitability of having to choose to keep the body supple. And I'm thinking about Tai Chi and I'm thinking about yoga. So what are the health benefits of yoga? I mean, you've just alluded to them in terms of your own personal experience. But can you just zoom out and talk to somebody like me who doesn't have anxiety and can go up to strangers and they should be, they'd be wishing that they're agoraphobic once they're in a conversation with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what advice would you give to me and them, you know, in terms of uh, what's, what's the health benefits of yoga and what must you do? How long should you do it for? And when will you see those benefits and what are those benefits? So you want to tell me that, or you want me to tell you that you can do one class? And that no, 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 I'm realistic. I, um, I'm realistic. So uh, how many classes would it take? And is there, I mean, you've, you've probably heard about meditation. People do meditation for decades and they still don't get benefits because it's almost like a window they can't find to climb through. So do you, would that would the same thing happen with yoga or is it more physical because it's more physical you wouldn't be exposed to that type of resistance if that is an oxymoron so you can be attracted to come to a yoga class or begin a yoga practice for various reasons and one of the most popular things will be flexibility because that's kind of what's been packaged up and sold um, and you will often hear, I can't go to yoga, sure, I can't touch my toes or, you know, I'm not flexible enough to go. But the reason that you go is to become more flexible or whatever it is that you need. So you don't need to be that before you come. <laughs> you come to experience that and, and, and gain those benefits. So flexibility in the muscles is just one thing. Mobility in the joints, strength in the muscles, you're strengthening your bones with some of the body weight exercises um, more body awareness. So you're taking that time out for yourself. Usually it's an hour class and um, you should be experiencing that hour of quietness. There shouldn't be too much chat in that hour of the class. So that's an hour to yourself. You know, you're mouth's closed you're breathing in and out through the nose you're checking in with your body moving your body so body awareness is another big thing that is kind of underestimated with how powerful it is because you're building the muscle of awareness and awareness can be brought into all areas of your life you're practicing mindfulness hopefully if you're tuned in and listening to the breath um and breathing on its own focusing more on the breath will have powerful effects with the parasympathetic nervous system, your vagus nerve, calm, digest, rest and digest response in the body. So getting rid of the stress hormones in the body and bringing in the nice calming hormones in the body. And once you're in that rest and digest state, um, the calm state in the body, your systems, all your organs and systems in the body will work more efficiently when we're stressed. They can't do their jobs properly. So inside Outside mind, body, soul, yoga will speak to all of that if you will let it. But some people will say, no, it's not for me. Um, no, I'm not flexible enough. But there are various styles. There are various teachers with various personalities. So if you do your research and maybe try and find out which one would suit you best for this stage you know, what are you looking for right now? And often I'll say to people, if you're very physical and your life is very stressful, pick a more restorative yoga practice for now. If you're quite lazy and you don't do much movement, pick a more energizing class. So creating the balance 
that you need in your life. Do you ever listen to Sam Harris? No. He, he's all into meditation and uh, he's a guy that I listen to. He takes big, big topics like AI or COVID or Israel or or whatever. Take, take, your, cho- take your choice, you know, and he yeah. really comes at it in a big way. And he gets into these really hot debates and... He's a meditation coach as well. Okay, yeah. Which is strange because you kind of think you could do with your own courses. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll often see that as well. The other interesting thing is that a lot of people that come into train and work in any kind of healing modalities often come into it because they need they needed the work themselves but sometimes the work hasn't really been done enough and you know there might be questionable uh in the work that they're doing so you do need to be careful who you choose as your you know it's a healthcare provider really whether it's a counselor psychologist massage therapist a yoga teacher tai chi instructor you're yeah you're handing them you know you're in a vulnerable state you're handing them a little bit of power. So I do think you need to choose carefully somebody that you trust. What does it take to be able to be in a very stressful situation and to be able to tune it all out? Well, I think you can not exactly tune out, um, depending on what the situation is, I suppose. But you can perceive stress in a different way or you can choose to perceive it in a different way if you perceive stress as this is a disaster this is going to floor me how am I going to be able to cope your body's already feeling that as this is a disaster I can't Mm. cope but if it's a situation that maybe you can step back and say okay you know this isn't great but this is a new challenge in my life how can I look at this challenge and how can I rise to the challenge and be you know, the best version of myself that I can be in this situation. Is this a new challenge for me rather than perceiving it as the other type? Um, There is actually a study done on people on this that if they perceive the stress as a challenge, it's less harmful Mm. on their body. So it's... Yes, you can. It, I suppose it all depends on the type of stress that you're experiencing. Um, you can choose to look at it differently. Mm-hmm. How can I use this to my advantage nearly? Mm. Or if it's a type of stress that you're putting yourself under, like a negative thought that you just can't get out of, and that's creating a stress loop in the body, negative thought, um, short shallow breathing tight muscles the body is listening to all of that it's wearing down the cells chronic stress that will lead to inflammation it will probably lead to some pain and maybe disease so if you're caught in that chronic stress loop mm-hmm. that will be the road that you probably will fall down into but again coming back to awareness if you're noticing yeah, my body's tight. Yeah, my mind is busy. I'm I'm caught in a loop of stress. Then what can I do to step away out of this loop? Can I reframe the thoughts that I'm having into more positive or helpful thoughts? Mm. Can I do something that's going to restore my nervous system to help me feel more relaxed and restore and clean out my cells and so my body can be healthier and then that's going to create a ripple effect into all areas of your life into relationships into your sleep your diet your mood um even how you experience small moments in life if you're stressed and you're walking down the street you probably don't want to have a conversation with anyone you may not want to have eye contact you're missing out on all those lovely moments of joy and connection if you're feeling balanced calm happy good after a yoga class you roll up your mat you're like yeah I feel good you look at people you smile you let the person out in front of you in traffic you're feeling you know connection in the world outside and that as well has powerful medicinal effects Mm. on the body the vagus nerve the parasympathetic nerve the heart Mm. 
And we know after lockdown that so many people experienced isolation and loneliness and some people are experiencing it now, even without being in a lockdown. Um, and that is toxic as well for our health. Do you have a grandparent that you never met? Do you wonder what they were like? What type of life did they have? What type of person were they? How did they laugh? Both of my grandfathers had passed before I was born. So in 2006, when there was no signs of my children arriving anytime soon, I video interviewed both my parents. I asked them about their lives, the holidays they had, their parents, their grandparents. How did they meet? What did they do and what were they like? Where's their final resting place? Some time elapsed, my children did come along, and then my mother passed on, and yeah, sure I miss her, but I still have a video of her telling me about her life story. Now, I video interview other people's older relatives as a present for their loved ones. If you want me to capture your special memories, please get in touch at saltfulmedia.com. Thanks. This is the Galway Podcast. Whenever I get ill, I choose to think of it as a regenerative process so like if I get a cold or a flu or something I I will I will bunk up in bed I will stick on movies and I, I believe that you know distraction therapy so um, I will just zone into Netflix or not that I have Netflix <laughs> I'll zone into movies and uh, and then what happens is um I'm looking at my illness as a process in which my body needs to go through in order to regenerate and then you're killing off the old dead cells to regenerate the new, stronger ones, younger ones. Is that it? Just probably. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm only young. Yeah. So um, it sounds very, there's a, there's a parallel almost to, um, to what you're talking about. And you don't need to do yoga to let somebody out outside in traffic this is something that I do and I, I do believe that if you give goodness out to the world goodness will come back to you I'm a big karma whatever you want to call it karma karma is that a yoga word it is yeah. okay <laughs> the, I think that's where I'm coming back to so yeah. explain let's talk about karma I love it you know the John Lennon album by the way instant karma I love that <laughs> instant karma imagine you had that in your life yeah but carry on so, um, firstly, with yeah, when you're sick, your body is telling you something. Mm. You know, it's giving you a message to rest. Mm. You've been under pressure. You maybe the immune system is a little bit low, and you've got something. Your body's telling you to rest. So it is good to look at it like an opportunity to rest and restore, and not you know power through and put the body under more stress and strain. Um, similarly, with my anxiety, the body was trying to tell me something, and I have grown from that experience rather than, you know, letting it kind of flatten me down. Um, so with pain, with disease, with flus, bugs, there's always messages there. Um, if you're listening, that you can perceive as a challenge, you know, can I uh, look at this in a positive way? And what can I learn from this? What is my body trying to tell me? Where in my body is hurting? What type of pain is it there's always a link with the body and the messages there um and then yeah with like the you, you definitely don't have to do, go to a yoga class to be a kinder person but when you're in that nice calming state you're more you're less reactive you're you're more interactive with people in your community and you're softer and kinder and you're coming from a better place um, and then you're more likely to experience more joy and connection and love if you're giving it out and you're open to it if you're in the stress state and your face is tense and your jaw is clenched and your vision is focused it comes from the our ancient fight or flight mode if you're in that state you're less uh, approachable and you're less likely to experience moments of joy and connection so you're definitely not going to attract a lot of it 
So uh, you're right in, you know, you you put out more kindness and you will receive it back. Um, and similarly with the yoga philosophy, with karma, what goes around comes around and put out into the universe what you will receive back. And it even links into gratitude. The more that you are thankful for, the more you will have to be thankful for. And it's not to say, oh, I'm thankful for my car that I have now and then another new car is going to show up. It's changing the mindset. So the neural pathways in the brain, like that we talked about, reframing thoughts. So if you're caught in a negative loop, and then you can step out of that and say, you know, what do I have in my life that I'm thankful for? And you may not even feel very thankful or appreciative at the time. But if you repeat it to yourself and you keep repeating it and you keep saying, I'm thankful for this, I have that, I appreciate this, then you're creating the new pathways in the brain again and you're creating the feeling of thanks and appreciation in your body. Your heart will benefit from that and your mind. And then that's how you experience more joy and more things to be thankful for because you're open to it you've created the new the shift in your mindset and you're going to attract more in it's funny you mentioned gratitudes my kids and i we write gratitudes every day we only write one because we read it ask Gilliga. um i my kids are fluent in chinese and english but their their gillig is very much um in need so we write a gratitude every day. I thought, well, you know, it's good to mm. do something in Gaelic. So I thought, well, let's do and a gratitude. They only do one, and it's usually linked to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they're allowed Nintendo Switch for 20 minutes a day. Yeah, and then it shuts down. Uh, anyway, um, I think it's 30 minutes. Okay, stop talking about Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, so um, I should extend it. I should get them to write three. Because, you know, their gilligs getting better. But gratitude is a very important thing because it does force one to reflect on one's day and see, okay, what, because you really sometimes have to look back on a lousy day and say, what can I be really thankful for today? And even if your day is lousy, there's a way of reframing that, as you say, to look at, okay, I've had a negative experience. How can I learn from it? And I often think of negative experiences that you encounter that you can obviously um, gain a lot of experience and knowledge from that. So, so as not to repeat mistakes that you've made or whatever. Whenever I'm thinking about gratitude, I'm thinking about my ex-boss uh, who is Hindu. Mm. So gratitude seems to be linked to yoga quite a lot. And yoga, is yoga, is it is it tied to a religion or has it been tied to a religion or what can you share about that? Yoga is originating from Hindu philosophy. Oh, so okay. it's not, should not be religious. Um, there are aspects of yoga that will be more devotional, that some people may go down that avenue of chanting to Hindu gods. Mm. Um, the elephant I, face guy. Yeah, Ganesha. <laughs> Ganesha. So you can, you know, I think you can experience those things and still not be attached to religion. Other, other gods are available, <laughs> even in Hinduism. Sorry, carry on. You can experience the benefits of things like chanting it can bring you into a meditative state if you detach yourself from the fact that you're chanting to a monkey or elephant head into god um so for some people that will be the avenue that will bring them peace and calm and joy and similarly with you know the church in ireland i think you can go in and light a candle and experience some peace mm. and not be attached to the whole religion mm. um so, yeah, there's links with the gods of and the mythology of India and Hinduism. And some a lot of the poses would be named after something in nature or sages or some gods. Um, and it all comes back into the mythology more so than 
religion. Um, and then the yoga philosophy would be linked to the ancient texts from India, um, maybe 4,000 years ago. Um, and yes, there's links between Hinduism, philosophy, uh, and then again, that's similar to Buddhism in China, and they would have been around the same time. So who knows what kind of messages were being passed through those countries mm. at the same time. So there's similarities there with Buddhism and loving kindness and gratitude and just throwing messages over the Everest. <laughs> a little a, paper airplane. Instead of stones. Because yeah. <laughs> they're such good friends around there. Um, it's interesting you're saying about lighting candles. And it, it triggered a thought, which is in Catholicism, for example, you, you light a candle for intentions. Whereas Hinduism, it's, it's almost like you're forcing yourself to look back and see what you're grateful for. I'm not sure if there's a future, you know, the, in, the intention version of of that for Hinduism. We'll move on. Public Image Limited. Mm. I saw them last year. The singers Johnny Rotten, yeah. Sex Pistols was mm. uh, was his first band, and you know what? It was the most politest gig I've ever been to in my life. All these are middle aged and older men uh, who are punks, ex punks. And they're all polite. Oh, no, after you, sir. You know, it's just so, so strange. But do you, know what it, do you know what it was as well? Not only the most politest gig, the smelliest gig. <laughs> all these here old guys who have obviously farted in this room. So you know where I'm going. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yoga class. I just think of people farting all day long. So what happens if you've got a problem with flatulence or are you more welcome, you know, in a yoga class? What happens if, um, if you're, so my real question is this, what are, what happens if you've got a problem with body image, whether that's over flatulence, what's the verb for flatulence, that word, and then, and then, um, and then the rest of it is um, if you're if you have a problem with body image. So I I don't want to take up yoga because um, people will be looking at X, Y, or Z. So what's your advice to somebody who wants to try out a class but has that barrier? So if you are coming to a yoga class or whatever kind of mindful practice class it is. Each person that's there should be focused on their own practice. It's not really an interactive space where people are looking around the room or it shouldn't really be unless it's kind of workshop dynamic. But it is aimed to be a mindful practice. So I always say when you're on your mat, pretend you're just in your own little island and do your thing and focus on yourself and look up at me for guidance if you need it. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's focusing inward, mm. not outward. It should be an internal kind of checking in with yourself practice. So for anyone that's feeling vulnerable or exposed or nervous about joining, um, just think of it as that. You're there for yourself. You roll out your mat. That's your space. You don't need to look at anyone else and they don't need to look at you and they shouldn't really be. Um, and, you know, pick a teacher that you trust maybe have a connection with do your research and see um maybe just try one class and see do you gel with them sometimes it can be a personality thing as well I, I do believe that you need to like you know the sound of their voice and you need to like them as a person and their approach to teaching some people would like to go up and just display all of the amazing skills and poses that they can do and forget that they're actually guiding people who are less supple than them usually yeah so that's really important to watch out for mm. if you see that that's a bit of a red flag um so choose a teacher that wants to help you and you're not you're not mimicking what they're doing you're showing up as you are on that day and you do what you feel like on that day and each day may look a little bit different and say for example you're doing i don't know a pose the broken crow. I don't know what they call these poses. The the the, the, the salutations. Yeah. Oh, is that a yeah. is that a name? Okay. Sun salutations. Sun salutations. There you are. From the recesses of my mind, I pulled that one out. <laughs> so, um, say you're 
you're delivering the sun salutation or whatever, um, a pose, a, and um, you can see in your class that there's somebody who's really going to have problem a problem with where you're going there. What do you, as a teacher, do in order to help them, in order to guide them? So if they've let me know something before the class, like I'm suffering from back pain or I've just had surgery. What happens if they get delusion and they think they can do everything, but you can see, oh no, they can't do this. What do you do? I just leave them to it. (laughs) (laughs) No, if they've told me that there's an issue before the class, you know, that there's they're after surgery or they have back pain or sometimes they're pregnant and you know we have to just be a little bit discreet I will tell them some modifications to do and then I'll keep my eye on them during the class and if I see that they're doing something that may hurt or damage them I'll just creep over and say you know bend your knees a little bit more there or whatever it is um I've kind of stepped back from adjusting people physically which uh, would have been part of my trainings, some of the trainings that I've did. Um, and then during COVID, you know, it was kind of a, obviously hands off approach. And I've kind of stayed with the hands off approach because I think um, people have just kind of become a little bit more used to it. Um, might just do some guide with fingertips or whatever, you know, pull back here or bend there or whatever, but being a bit more gentle and um I'll tell people that, you know, just do what you can do for today, whatever is working within your range of motion for today. And for whatever reasons, you know, you may need to pull back or take a little rest. Do it. This is your time. You know, you've booked this time for yourself to enjoy, to check in with your body and to feel better. This isn't anything really to do with me. I'm just hopefully guiding you in a way to do it safely and nicely and you should be able to you know tune in a little bit to what I'm doing if you need instruction and then come back to yourself and do what feels nice for you and I think that's one obviously at the start you need to kind of figure it all out where's she going now what are we doing now (laughs) where's my head supposed to be um but once you get used to the routine and the poses it should be more internal and I think that's a thing that some people get wrong is to just like still look around the room and look up to me or the teacher and forget to go inward because that's where the magic is. Can you walk us through a lesson? What does it look like in terms of from start to finish? If the class was in a studio, we would sit down, start um, with comfortable seat and for my classes literally a seat a chair no comfortable seat on the ground okay. whatever way you want to sit forgive me i, I that's I fine really, no really sit yeah. on the floor whatever way is comfortable so that might be cross-legged it might be in like a full lotus pose or it might be just sitting out with the legs in front or if you need a block or a blanket to prop your bum up on to make you feel more comfortable um and then for me the most important thing is the breath so You're checking in with your breath first, just noticing how you're breathing. And that's already bringing you inward because it's... So you're starting off almost like a meditation? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Breath should be the first movement in a yoga class, I think, because it's the subtle qualities of what's happening. You're checking in with, you know, something that's happening internally and externally. So it's already bringing you into that kind of quieter space. It's a great teacher. It will tell you how you're feeling. If it's short, shallow up in the chest, you might be a little bit stressed or rushed or anxious. If the belly and the diaphragm and the ribs are moving, then it's a good signal that you're in a calm state. And you're oh, I'm in a calm state. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. I was just thinking I'm not in the chest, but carry on. Yeah, yeah if yeah, you're yeah. breathing functionally, it'll be down yeah. lower. Mm. Uh, it'll be a nice, quiet breath in and out through the nose. And that's the functional way to breathe. So checking in with the breath is really important tool teacher habit um so that would be always number one for me and i actually do need to spend a lot of time reteaching people retraining people how to breathe properly because most of us are breathing dysfunctionally and have developed bad habits because of stress mm. in society um so the breath will be first and then some nice gentle warm-ups for wrists neck shoulders spine moving down 
onto the mat then for maybe all fours position, stretching out in the cat and cow pose, which will always be in all my classes because I think it's a wonderful um, stretch for the back and the spine. But you can start to bring the movement, add the movement to the breath. So that's where the whole practice comes in. You're breathing functionally and nice and soft and um, equal, creating resonance in the body. And then you're adding the movements to the breath. So you're creating a lovely synchronicity because the word yoga means to unite or to join. Um, So you should be joining or uniting the mind, the body and the breath in the one place. And it's something that doesn't happen for most of us, for most of our day, because we're all scrambled, running around the place. Mind is here. Arms are over there. Um, it's we're a bit discombobulated. So that's why I suppose yoga has become so popular as well as it's creating that union again. Mind, body and breath to the one place. And when you're in that place, that's when you feel, you know, again, more connected and open to the world and thankful and appreciative and that's all the ripple benefits effects again. Um, then we move into probably standing poses, sun salutations or some variations of sun salutations, balancing poses, the tree pose. I'm sure you've seen dancer pose, you're balancing on one leg. Um, so those poses are great for strengthening the body, strengthening your bones, some flexibility and opening in the body where during the day are very closed off, especially the hips, because we stand and sit and stand and sit and the legs are in kind of the closed position. But the hip joints should be more mobile. They're ball and socket joints. So they should be internally and externally rotating. And we miss out on all of that action, you know, during our days, most of us, because we sit and stand so much. And that's where problems are coming in now with hip replacements and immobility and you know physios and pain and all of that it's just because we're not moving our bodies enough and it's really simple you don't have to come to a one-hour yoga class you can do little movements yourself during the day moving the neck moving the spine rolling out the shoulders opening and closing the hips just bringing it into your daily routine so it will enhance your flexibility and mobility Wonderful. At Salt Hill Media, we record the life stories of older people as a gift for their future generations. We appear to be the only organization on the island of Ireland providing this service. What does that look like? An older person sits and answers questions about their life stories. For instance, what were their holidays like as children? Where did their parents meet? And what were their jobs? Where's their final resting place? And what about their parents? And so on. This is a perfect gift for people who hit another milestone. For example, a retirement gift, entering a new decade, a significant wedding anniversary, or it could just be a regular gift. The clever thing about this is that it is a time capsule to be enjoyed for future generations to come. Some people say, but my life story is not that interesting. It is interesting to those who follow after you. Other people remark, I could do this myself. We say, and so you should. However, more often than not, these life stories do not get recorded. So we advise that you go to salthillmedia.com and book a recording session for three months' time. If, in three months' time, your recording has not happened, then we will do that for you. Go to salthillmedia.com today to book your life recording. Thank you. This is the Galway Podcast. I'm thinking about 
kung fu whenever I used to do like karate as a kid you you would do these meditative things to open and close the session would you close with the meditation as well yes so once we've kind of done all the more active poses sun salutations standing you may then add depending on kind of the focus or the theme of the class you may add some core work or balancing poses depending on your who what type of class you're teaching and who's there and what the level is and all of that there's a lot to consider and then you would bring it back down to yeah more gentle slower stretches again sitting on the mat legs hips spine twists and then you would finish in shavasana which is the most important pose lying still arms and legs open palms open fingers open closing your eyes and focusing on the breath again, allowing everything to relax and come back into stillness. What I would be afraid of, falling asleep. Lots of people fall asleep. I hear snoring and... What did you you just give me a kick in the ass or... Sorry, uh, do you just give him a little tap on the butt with your foot? <laughs> if it's a gentle snore <laughs> and the shavasana isn't too long, I just leave them to it. Um, if somebody is, if it's a longer <laughs> relaxation session and it might be like a yoga nidra class, which is more lying down for a longer period of time, and yeah. then it might be interrupting, you know, the experience of other people, I might do something beside them too. <laughs> the, the old pillow in the face. <laughs> I, 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 you know, obviously, it's a compliment because, you know, you've relaxed that person to such an extent that they've gone to the ultimate relaxation pose. Which They is, have relaxed themselves. Yes. I'm all about okay. giving them their power because yeah. they've brought themselves into that state of relaxation. And it's something that we forget when we're at home that we can do that. By moving the body, breathing slowly and smoothly and restoring the nervous system, you can bring yourself into a calm and peaceful state anytime that you like, I hope. Um, so you have the power. I have the power. Not me. Yeah, I'm not your guru. <laughs> Who it said that? He-Man said I have the power, was it? Oh, I don't know. I'm showing my age again. Okay, shh. So, um, <laughs> to find out more... Where must one go? You will find me at any building or beach in Galway. <laughs> no, my students do have a little joke with me because I have moved around a lot, like many yoga teachers do or wellness practitioners, um, because there's never so many designated spaces in Galway. I have moved from gym to studio to random building to arts building to and beach. And why is that? Why do you move around so much? Um, sometimes you would rent a space and then something happens to that building, like it's sold or they're using oh. the room for something else okay. or, you know, um, or I've moved location myself or... Yeah, so I'm like the little traveling hobo yogi. Um, and when I came back from India, I did start teaching yoga on the beach in Salt Hill. Um, it was a charity one. The first one that I did was down on Grattan Beach, 2014, I think. I think there was only me and one other teacher at the time that I knew of teaching in Salt Hill on the beach. And now it's every corner, every park, field, lake. There's yoga popping up everywhere, which is great because the effects are wonderful. And if we're if we're creating a calmer, happier society with more connection, then it's amazing. Right now, I am based in Spiddle and I'm teaching in Inverne um, and I am teaching a lot of workplace well-being so I'm in different organizations around the country I do some stuff online I have an on-demand platform on my website moveandbreathe.ie moveandbreathe.ie what about online lessons versus pre-recorded lessons that you're listening to versus face-to-face can you go can you summarize each one the, the pros and cons of each one of those three things Face-to-face will be most beneficial. The teacher can see you, you can see the teacher and you're in a room. The environment is made for you to 
and they're practice. interacting with you if you're stepping beyond where you should be. Right yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's safer and it's probably easier to focus and easier to switch off and tune in. Um, and again, we mentioned the benefits of connection, community, love, interaction, even though you're not speaking to each other, you're moving together. You know, it's actually quite beautiful um so that will be most beneficial but if you can't make it to a studio or if it's not financially viable or if it's too stressful to actually get there in traffic and it takes away from the actual being there then that's where online and pre-recorded sessions come in and sometimes they can be shorter and more financial more financial more you're taking a leaf out of my mind finding it hard to talk <laughs> for financially be viable i think you're trying to say just said cheaper <laughs> cheaper okay <laughs> stop trying to be smart <laughs> yeah that's why i can i haven't learned that financial more financial for more financially cheaper yes yeah rewind um sorry i'll leave that in <laughs> <laughs> my attention span is gone now yeah. and then uh, you're well you're talking about um, um, the financial viability of uh, online classes versus face-to-face um, do you discern the difference between um, online and pre-recorded so you know that you're downloaded yeah is, is there is, is there a difference in 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 the benefits of both of those I think if you have been to classes and you kind of are familiar with the poses and how you're supposed to do things, um, then pre-recorded sessions are great or live online sessions are great because you kind of have an idea anyway. But I would be a little bit cautious if you've never been to an instructor and you're doing everything at home on your own, just to maybe go and check in with someone who's experienced to make sure you're doing everything right and safely and get some guidance. And then, you know, bringing it back home is makes it easy and manageable and less costly that you can practice on your own at home and do like little 15, 20 minute classes online or whatever it is. Brilliant. And do you want to talk about a little bit about your corporate work that you're doing very quickly? Because I used to work for PwC. Would you believe that? Can you believe that? PwC employed me one time. <laughs> for a long time. Four years or something. So, and whilst there's a fair bit of openness in terms of their thinking, my experience of the culture, of corporate culture in general, is that it's cynicism frankly. Um, whenever you're doing corporate gigs, is it a voluntary thing? So that, so people who are in that organisation, it's up to them to go. Are they forced to go? And if they are forced to go, is there cynicism? So a good few years ago when I started working with organisations, it was only for classes, yoga classes that were paid for by the company and the employees could go if they wished and the ones that did loved it and were so happy that it was there and came you know I taught in many companies and go with on a weekly basis within their offices um now the workplace well-being um the whole spectrum of it I suppose has changed it's not just uh or shouldn't be just a tick the box exercise of offering a wellness class or a gym discount or herbal teas or whatever it is. Um, it should be more integrated into the whole company where it starts from the leaders. What's the message? How are the employees feeling within the company? So the company should be collecting data from the employees. What issues are arising for the employees? Is it financial? Is it the work hours? Is it the communication within the company? Is it bullying? There's always going to be some issue that will be bigger than offering a gym discount or a yoga class. That issue, if it's not looked at, visited and kind of addressed then the other tick the box things won't mean anything because you we all know people that work in in organizations and 
you know, if there's a toxic culture there, it creates so much stress on the person. So they won't even be able to enjoy the other offerings. So it needs to be rewinded back to collecting data, not just collecting it then, but reviewing it and then looking at the big issues and addressing them and looking at it from a whole organization perspective. Um, What does the company aim to do? What's its mission and what's its values? And then what are the issues that the employees are facing? And can the two be matched or interwoven somewhere? Um, and interventions or strategies created to address the bigger issues at play, because that's really where well-being within an organization will come from. It's making people feel valued, listened to, supported. It's not just, oh, we better do something to make them feel or make it look like we are doing something nice for them, because that's not authentic and it's, it's not good enough. And what happens if the toxic culture is because of the boss? Yeah, the toxic culture that comes from the boss, generally there won't be any changes because the unless it's, you know, created within the employees or the well-being champions or whatever it is on the ground, um, there won't be sustainable changes created within a company if the the boss or the leader has closed closed mind and it's not willing they're mm. not willing to change so it doesn't get off the ground in terms of your your service offering yeah well i my work now would be working with leaders okay. to so they're obviously already open-minded enough to have the conversation with you to take you to take the organization into a place that is more desirable Yes. So the leaders that are open to the conversation and creating strategies for change are open to it. Mm. And that's where success is going to come in. The leaders that are not open to the change are not going to address anything and they will still face the same issues that they're facing, whether that's employee morale or productivity or staff retention. If you're not looking at the issues that are there and trying to bring in some interventions then nothing will change and you're still going to face the same problems um i see in lots of large organizations in ireland um and then on the other hand i see some wonderful companies where the leaders are open and willing and energized to create the change they're trying to do their best and sometimes they'll get me in as a little guide to help them because you know that's not their specialized area they're trying to manage their business so they'll bring me in as a consultant to help them see you know what needs to be done and how can we create strategies and interventions to improve culture of the organization just as all politics is local all business is about the bottom right hand corner so and i'm drawing the comparison and in which way they're being pulled there so if an organization is interested in the bottom right hand corner they are interested in productivity and they are interested in staff retention and therefore they should be interested in the wellness of their collective employee base so it's not surprising to me that people who are interested in the bottom right hand corner figure are more are taking a more holistic approach to improving that and those conversations happening with you so yes i think these people are not just What's the word I'm looking for? They're not just visionaries in in some way of where their company's going, but they're also protective of their their revenue stream and their employee base. So, um, no, they they should be applauded. I think these people yeah, are having definitely. conversations with you. Yeah. To me, it's common sense. In fairness, I have been working in the well being area for maybe fifteen years, and I've done well being. Workplace well-being postgraduate in Trinity. So, okay, maybe I have, you know, some extra knowledge, but it it's still common sense to me. Look after your employees and they will look after your business for you. You know, you treat people crap and they're not going to feel great. They're not going to show up their best. They, you'll have more sick days. You'll have staff leaving. You'll have people that are showing up kind of half half interested because they know that you don't care so why should they care it's like being a parent 
you nourish your child, you give them, you know, praise and lovely words and a cozy home and nice food and they're going to respond well to that. Similarly, with adults in a work environment, you know, you don't need to molly coddle them, but treat them with respect. Listen to the needs. They will probably know your organisation and how it works better than you do because they're in there on the ground and their conversations are happening with other staff. They know the issues. So ask them and listen and the answers are there. It reminds me of that quote. People don't care how much you know until they know that you care. Say it again. People do not care how much you know until they know that you care. Hmm. like it. Yeah, it's great, isn't mm. it? Now, I can't remember which president said that. It was a US president. Shall we end on that quote? <laughs> I don't think I'd do much better than that. I like it. Sinead, is there anything else that we need to cover that we haven't covered? Creating more balance in your life. It's all comes down to more balance. So looking at your life as an overview, checking in with all areas, seeing which areas you may be neglecting and which areas you may be able to give more focus to, whether that's I don't have enough joy in my life right now. What brings me joy? Playing music, playing music with others, going out playing football. If it's something that lifts your spirits, bringing that back into your weekly routine. Am I not getting enough rest? I'm staying on my phone until 2 a.m. online shopping and then I wake up at six with the kids and I'm absolutely exhausted. And then that filters into negative habits during the day then because you're trying to replenish from the lack of sleep. Um, so how can I bring more balance into my life, whether that's better sleep, more wholesome food, nicer conversations and connections with people and communities, things that bring me joy. What can I do to bring me rest and restoration, meditation, breath, yoga, massage, tai chi, whatever that is. And what can I do to bring me that positive challenge? A little bit out of my comfort zone and get the heart rate going. Um, so looking at your whole day to day, week to week, is there anything that's missing that you can maybe create more balance and balance will bring better health? That reminds me of a spreadsheet I do. Whenever I'm doing a, a gig, I have a column saying energy, you know, like um, the energy of, of a song. And then another one would be dynamics, whether it's loud or quiet. Mm. And then you have another one, which is familiarity in terms of how popular the song is. Mm. So I'll categorize songs. So the idea is that you end a set in having songs that are very loud, very popular in terms of familiarity and very, um, uh, yeah, enthusing, you know, mm. the energy is there, yeah. you know. So, but whenever you're talking there, it's taken my mind to applying that type of spreadsheet uh, columns to your life. So what brings me joy? What's the financial financial viability of it? What is the uh, the ease in which I could bring that into my life? Yeah, whenever you're talking, I was just thinking to look at things that are easy to bring in financially that you can do it, and it's going to bring you a lot of joy. So that's uh, yeah, yeah, and it's medicine. Joy in your life is medicine. Yeah, love and connection and community is medicine. Like you know it and you feel it, obviously, at the time. You have a smile on your face, your eyes are sparkling, your circulation. You, like you can feel it. The science is there now to back it up as well, if you don't really believe it. But it's so good for our health. Mm. Things that bring us joy, moments of love and connection and community with the people around us, our family and friends. Otherwise, why are we here? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Sinead, I find it very um, informative talking to you and I would suggest anybody listening to this to go to moveandbreeze.ie and to not just be limited to this website. So if you're listening in, this, uh, in Australia, for example, or in America, to what should you be looking for in a teacher? 
you're saying about do the research, but what should they be looking for? Somebody who has done whatever type of training in an area that you might be interested in. So you, so you mentioned there about whether it's physical or whether it's uh, restorative. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. just check their website, see have they got some t- trainings, how long have they been teaching for, mm. are they a new teacher, who do they teach, is it beginners, is it mixed classes, how long is the class, what type of room is it in, they're all questions that should be answered for you easily, um, you should know what what you want to get from the class so like I mentioned is it more energizing or is it more restorative they should be all answered for you um and then sometimes it's just a matter of testing it out you could do a drop-in class see do you like the vibe or the personality of the person teaching and you know if if some sometimes they talk too much sometimes their voice is too loud I don't like their accent uh, I couldn't hear them it might be just little things that people tune into and it's like, no, the person isn't really for me or that style of class isn't really for me. So you can, you know, dance around with it a little bit and then you'll find one that fits, hopefully. Great advice. Okay, Sinead, go to me and my agat. Go to me and my agat. Okay, slán go foil. Slán. This has been a Salt Hill Media original podcast and production. 